Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church, an outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. in Acts chapter 5, and I've already given a list. I'm not going to go through the whole list. I don't even know how many things now we have. Just a list of, of things that we've learned about the early church. But one thing we've learned just like this last week or two is that the early church understood God's judgments and walked in the fear of the Lord. And this is something that is greatly lacking in much of the body of Christ today. There is a terrible lack of the fear of the Lord. And people do not understand God's judgments. There's a lot of folks that think God's judgments just kind of went out with the Old Testament. But I mean, we're into the fifth chapter, just the fifth chapter of the book of Acts. And that should put that one to rest. That lie, that deception, that God's judgments went out with the Old Testament. No, 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 God hasn't changed. He's still a God of judgment today. Thank God he's a God of love. Thank God he's a God of mercy for those that lay hold of his mercy. But I got news for you, friend. God has not changed. For those that do not receive the mercy of God that is through Jesus Christ, if they do not receive his mercy, they will spend eternity in hell. Hell is a real place. There's a lot of churches that don't even want to talk about hell anymore. They don't even want to talk about hell. Why? It makes people feel uncomfortable. It doesn't make me feel uncomfortable. Because I'm not going there. Now, if you're going there, you need to feel uncomfortable. You need to get very uncomfortable so that you get out of your comfort zone and get into Christ. Get into His will, receive His mercy, and get saved. So, you know, trying to keep people that are on a highway to hell comfortable is not walking in love. That's not caring about the world. And in fact, because we don't talk much about hell, there isn't really this urgency in people's heart to get people saved, to get the gospel out, to help people know the truth. But when you have that reality that this life is a vapor and eternity is for eternity, Hell is forever. Heaven is forever. Then you want to do everything you can to make sure that people you care about get to heaven. Isn't that right? And so the church has just been way too, you know, lethargic and lackadaisical about these things because it just, it just hasn't, they haven't been walking in that reality. So this is, again, this is something to really meditate and realize, you know, that God is still a God of judgment. Now, the Bible does tell us that if we judge ourselves, we won't be judged. If we take hold of his word, Jesus has paid the price for every sin. Every sin you've ever committed, ever will commit, Jesus has paid the price for it. So if you'll just man up to or woman up to your sin, if you just recognize where you missed it and repent for it, it's washed in the blood of Jesus that was shed 2,000 years ago. But if you want to hang on to your sin and reject the blood of Jesus, and just walk in your pride, then you will experience the judgment that Jesus experienced. Now, why would you experience the judgment that Jesus experienced when he experienced it not for himself, but for you, so that you wouldn't have to experience it? In other words, he took it for us so that we wouldn't have to take it. So why would you take it? See, it's ridiculous. So, but people are unaware of these things, and there's a lot of people that don't even think they need to repent of sin anymore. Just make Jesus the Lord of your life. You never have to confess sin ever again. That is a lie. That is a doctrine of demons. I don't care what kind of famous preacher tells you about it. It's a doctrine of demons. It's unscriptural. And it's leading people in the wrong direction. It's just, again, it's causing people to become more and more lethargic concerning their faith. Concerning helping other people come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So thank God for the reality of his judgments. I love God's judgments because it keeps me clean. Keeps me out of sin. It keeps me out of trouble. See, because I fear God. So that's why I don't just do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. I check with him. I further make sure my life is lined up to the Bible. I'm following the Holy Spirit. We're all doing this, right? Yes. We check up on these things because we recognize the fear of God. And, we're, and, and nobody wants to go to hell. 
Nobody wants to spend eternity in hell. So we want to walk with God. We want to walk in his favor. We want to walk in his blessings. And so we recognize things aren't right. We've got to get them right. By turning it over to God. By repenting for our sins. Can you say amen? Oh, thank God there is repentance of sin. Thank God we can turn from sin. Thank God there's someone we can turn to. to for, for forgiveness. For cleansing. For washing. For restoring. For renewing. For righteousness. Can you say Amen. Praise God. So the early church, they understood God's judgments and they walked in the fear of the Lord. As a result of that, we see five things here in Acts chapter 5. We see five things that were the result of them walking in the fear of the Lord. Verse 12 tells us, Many signs and wonders were done among the people through the hands of the apostles. Notice that. Many signs and wonders, miracles, mighty deeds begin to take place among the people. Because, I'm telling you, it was their fear of God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, Scripture just came to my mind. Hebrews chapter 12. He says in verse 14, Pursue peace with all men and holiness. Again, we're talking about the fear of the Lord, right? The fear of the Lord is going to keep us clean. Oh, it's going to keep us walking holy. The Bible says, be holy even as he is holy. I love holiness. Jean just ministered to the ladies on Monday night, and, and she said, the holy life is the happy life. And it really is. The holy life is the happy life. A lot of times when people think of holiness, they think of some, something they, they learn through religion. Some religious thing, you know. No, that usually uh, doesn't lead to liberty and freedom and happiness. That leads to bondage. That leads to bondage. But no, uh, true holiness leads to a happy life. Makes you happy. And, and so he says, pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now again, this is written to Christians. And he says, no one's going to see the Lord. No one's going to see. Well, one, one way we're not going to see him is we're not going to see him in, in manifestation in our life. We're not going to see him manifesting in signs, wonders, miracles, and doing awesome things in our life if we're not living a holy life. If we want to walk in more of the power of God, if we want to see more of the healing power of God, miracles, signs, and wonders taking place in our life, then we have to be a people that fear God, that fear him, that reverence him. And worship him. Because the Bible says through the prophet Isaiah, the Lord says that he will not share his glory with anyone. And the Bible tells us that no flesh shall glory in his presence. So in other words, fleshly living, fleshly lifestyles, just living fleshly. God says that no flesh is going to glory in his presence, which means what? If you're going to walk in the flesh, there ain't going to be much presence. There ain't going to be much presence. I want his presence. Because in his presence is what? Fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. I mean, that means there's healing, there's miracles, there's deliverance, there's all kinds of fantastic things in his presence. But if we're not walking holy, if we're not fearing God, if we're being fleshly, then we're hindering God from being able to manifest and show himself strong on our behalf. Notice that. Show himself strong. I know if he's showing himself, you're going to see him. But without holiness, no one's going to see him. See that? So I believe that's why right after it talks about the fear of God, the people walking in the fear of God, the next verse goes right into, in verse 12 of Acts 5, it goes right into miracles, signs, and wonders. God is manifesting. He is showing himself strong among them. Among the early church. Hallelujah. And then we saw also they were all in one accord. They were all in one accord. So that fear of God, it removed every divisive thing. How many of you know living in the flesh uh, is divisive? Why? Because it's selfish. We're talking about living in the flesh. We're talking about living a selfish life. Just living for me, 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 and how I feel about it. Tell you how I feel about it. Tell you what I want. Well, I want this. Well, I want that. Division. Flesh. Flesh. But the more we get over into the love of God, 
as a result of fearing God, what happens? Every divisive fleshly thing is eliminated. And so now there's peace among us. Again, pursue peace with all people and holiness. So they had peace among themselves. That's what the fear of God did. It brought a peace among them that unified them. And we want that unity like they had, don't we? All being one accord, just like the early church. Hallelujah. That's how we're supposed to be today. Functioning together like a body. Like a body of believers. And then in verse 13, number 3, we saw what the fear of the Lord did. It caused God's people to highly esteem their leaders. They looked up to their leaders. You know, you can't receive much from someone that you don't esteem very high. Right? If you look down, which would be the opposite of esteeming, if you look down on somebody, are you going to receive much from them? No, you look down. If you're looking at people with contempt, then you're not going to get much. But when you have a high respect, that says that you expect some high things to come from them. Or at least come through them from God. Right? So, so we need to have that. That needs to be restored to the body of Christ today. They had this great esteem which allowed God to move through their leaders in a powerful way which empowered the body, which empowered the church to be powerful and to go forth and do the same kind of exploits in their lives. And they did it from house to house, praise God. And then number four, we see in verse 14, I like this one. I like all of them. But this is what walking in the fear of the Lord will do for you. Verse 14. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women. That's what them walking in the fear of the Lord did. And understanding God's judgments. Just what we were just talking about. I mean they became bright, bold witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus. And, and look what happened. People were added to the church constantly. I mean people were getting saved. People were getting saved. That's what it's talking about. It says believers were increasingly added. In other words, they weren't believers, but then they became a believer. And they were added to the believers. So that multitudes of both men and women were getting saved. Don't that sound exciting? Can we have this today? Of course. Are we supposed to have this today? Absolutely. I've seen it, you know, there's been throughout history, you know, since then, there's been moves of God. In fact, that's what many denominations that exist today have come out of. They come out of great moves of God. Methodist church, Lutheran church, you know, a lot of these different uh, denominations actually started because of revival taking place. People getting saved. People experiencing the power of God. The Spirit of God moving in people's lives. A great fear of the Lord and holiness is, was upon God's people. And I remember when we went down to Pensacola, Florida. You know, back in 95. It was in Father's Day of 1995. There was a great move of God that took place there. And we went down to it a few times. It went on for, what was that, about five years. It went on. And there was a period of time where they were having church every day. And then they started having church, you know, uh, four days a week, you know, because they just because people needed to rest and they needed to do some other things. They just couldn't open the doors every day. But the demand was there. They could have kept having church every day. We went down there, you know, pouring rain outside uh, and, and everybody's lined up in the parking lot. There were some people that spent the whole night out in the parking lot. And I'm talking about a lot of people spent the night out in the parking lot and people got canvases over their head, umbrellas up. And they're all just, they're just waiting for service to start at seven o'clock. And they're all out there, you know, and just singing praises to God. Nobody's, I mean, you talk about one accord and the love of God. You can just feel it out in the parking lot. People run to the altar. They'd have an altar call for people to be saved and get right with God. People come running to the altar. Come running to the altar. Repenting of sin. Getting right with God. Oh, hallelujah. And that lasted for a season down there. But that's supposed to be widespread. That's supposed to be normal for a book of Acts kind of church. See, we got to get that. See, we got to get that. We got to get that not just, oh, yeah, yeah. No, we got to get that in our heart. That's to be normal for a book of Acts kind of church. So, you know, how's it going to happen? It just needs someone like you 
to rise up and say, I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to be religious anymore. Right? I'm not going to be religious anymore. No, no, no. I'm going I'm to walk in the power of God. I'm going to walk in this. If this is for me, I'm going to walk in it. And so, we, you know, we got to kick ourselves and pinch ourselves and do whatever we can to bring us into the reality of these things. Because, uh, you know, the devil's biggest lie is religion. He's just a counterfeiter of the power of God. And we don't want to fall for the counterfeit. We want to walk in the power of God. Can you say amen? amen? And then, number five, the fifth thing that resulted as a result of them walking in the fear of the Lord. They brought, check this out, they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Now, why do you think they would do that? Because people were getting healed. And the, the anointing, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit was so strong upon the apostle Peter, who they all highly esteemed, it was so strong upon him that people just got within shadow distance and they were healed. Think about that. They just got within shadow distance of him. Was it something about his shadow? It really wasn't even something about Peter. It was the Spirit of God. It was the presence of God that was upon Peter's life. And as he was just walking in the presence of God, that anointing was so strong. It reminds me of when they came to arrest Jesus. And Jesus said, nobody takes my life from me, but I lay it down. So here comes this, this mob and they got their clubs and their torches, you know. And they're climbing up the hill where Jesus is and they go into the garden where he's praying. And Jesus comes out to meet them. And he said, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Apparently, they couldn't even see that they were talking right to it. Unless God opened their eyes. You know, without God, you're a complete ignoramus. I don't mind telling you that this morning. Praise God. I'm right there in the same boat. That's why I don't leave home without him. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, we're just total ignoramuses without him. See? See, pride thinks it isn't, but humility recognizes it is. So, you know, they're standing there. They don't even know it's Jesus right there in front of them. And so they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am. And the Bible says, when he said that, they all fell out under the power of God. They all fell backwards, like a bunch of wooden soldiers, you know. Just fell out under the power of God. They got back up again. Give me my torch. And they're looking around. Jesus goes, who do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. I am. He had to turn himself over to them. He had to turn himself over. He had to open their eyes and say, it's me, guys. Here I am. Otherwise, they never could have taken him. Isn't that powerful? But notice, that's the kind of power that Jesus was walking in. All he had to do is say, I am. Of course, that's the name that he gave to Moses concerning himself. When Moses said to, to, to the Lord, he said, Lord, he said, you know, when I go back and tell Pharaoh, let my people go, who should I say, you know, or when I go back to your people and tell them that, you know, you're sending me, sending me to bring them out of Egypt, who shall I say sent me? And God says, I am who I am. Tell him, I am has sent you. I am. That's who Jesus was. He was the one that spoke to Moses and said, I am. And when he said, I am, I mean, there was just enough power in that name, I am, to just knock those guys down. Come on, folks. Come on. This is the power that you and I have in the person of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus didn't do it of himself. He tells us that. He did it in the power of the Holy Spirit. It was not by his might or power, but by the Spirit of God. And that's how we do what we do in life. We're to be doing it not by our might or power, but by the Spirit of God. Don't do life in your own strength. Don't do life in your own strength. Do it by the power of God. And there is sufficient enough power to handle anything. Anything the devil or man would try to bring against us. 
I am. Hallelujah. I'm so glad he didn't say I was. That's how the church preaches him in a lot of places today, you know. He's the great I was. Healing and miracles went out with the last apostle. It was. God don't do that anymore. Demons. God don't do that anymore. That all went out with the last apostle. No. No, he's still I am. His name, he didn't get a name change, folks. I got no If he said, my name is I am back then, his name is I am today. Amen. I am who I am. Amen. Praise God. That's who he is in your life. What do you, what do you need in life? I am. That's what Jesus' answer is. I am. He is it. He is the answer. Come on, you know that's worthy of a shout. Somebody, somebody ought to get stirred up about that one. Amen. Woo! Hallelujah. I am who I am. I think we have a song we sing around here. I am who you say I am. And I am of I am. That's who I am. I am of I am. And that's who you say I am. Isn't that good? That's who I am. Praise God forever. So, uh, they, notice they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches to be healed. In other words, in other words, church was now overflowing into the streets. They couldn't even, they couldn't even find a place to contain the people. People were coming. I'm talking about believers here. It says, notice, again, notice that they brought the sick. Well, who's they? Well, it's they who we've been talking about. It's the believers. Right? Believers being added to the church. So those who believe, they, now they're bringing sick people. Now why would you bring sick people to Peter or bring sick people to the church unless you knew ahead of time there's healing in the house. There's healing among those people. Why would you do that otherwise? So it had to, it had to have been a known thing that God heals through his church. God heals through his, through his people. That's why Jesus said in the Great Commission, when he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, he who believes and baptized will be saved, he who does not believe will be condemned. And he said, these signs will follow those who believe. He said, and the first thing he said is, in my name they'll cast out demons. And then the last thing he says is, they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He said, these signs will follow those who Believe. Believers. Believers will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We need to recover this revelation that as a believer, when we lay hands on sick folk, they get healed. We've got to recover that revelation. See, it's, again, these things have to be real to us, folks. We've got to watch about just letting it be a religious thing. It's got to be real to us. Man, he's, Jesus is the same yesterday. He's the healer. He's my healer. He has healed me and put healing power in my hands. Many times when I pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, many times, when they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they start speaking in tongues, another sign that comes right along with speaking in tongues is many times their hands get hot. Many times. My hands are hot. The last person that I just prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he said, and my feet are hot too. Praise God, we'll take it all. Hot hands, hot feet. Amen. Good hot feet, man. I'll get you running. Get you running for Jesus. Praise God forever. See, but that see, that comes with it, see. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you have the evidence that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, that initial evidence of speaking in tongues. But not just that. Many times, like I said, there's heat in people's hands because why? You've just been commissioned to lay hands on the sick people. You've just been commissioned to lay hands on sick people and get them healed, praise God. Amen. Man, we got to get busy. Yeah. we got to realize these things. So you've got to make these things real, folks. Uh, and that's why when I minister, I, I don't want to just connect with your head. Right. So important, you get revelation of these things. Yeah. That's why, you, you know, I reiterate and I go back over things. Because that's not a matter of you saying, I heard that and I know that. <laughs> and just sit there like a, a dried up prune. Terrible. No, 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 no. No, we got, we got to get the revelation of these things. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Participation helps you. It really doesn't help me. And you know, I've heard preachers say, help me, help me, help me. Can you help me? Can I get some amens? Praise God. I really don't need your help. 
I mean, I do. I need you to draw. But you need to open your mouth. You need to speak. You need to speak. You need to engage. You need to engage this message. You need to lock in on it. Connect with it. One of the best ways to connect with it is through your mouth. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, notice this. Verse 16. Also, now wait, now he says also. So this is going to be something in addition to what we just saw. So first it said in verse 15, so they, that's the believers, they brought the sick, right? Right? They were spilling out into the streets, praise God. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were all healed, all of them, all of them were healed. And notice this, these are multitudes from surrounding cities. These are not believers. These are people that are not necessarily saved yet, but they're here and there's healing taking place over there in Jerusalem. People are getting healed like in the days of Jesus when he was here before he was crucified. It's happening over there. So, man, they just started gathering people, and they started heading over there, and they were coming from all the different cities. And this becomes a city-wide, not just a revival, but a great awakening. Great awakening. See, when there's a revival in the church, it's not to stop. It's not to last a few years. No, no, no. It's to go on and become a great awakening where what happens? People are waking up in cities all over the nation. All over the world. People are waking up, waking up to the power and presence of God. People are realizing how God real is, how, how, how real God is. And there's been great awakenings in the history of America where, you know, uh, saloons, bars, clubs were almost overnight converted into churches. And people were coming and getting saved and getting filled with the new wine of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Getting drunk on heaven, on the presence of God. And they started coming and they were getting saved. And it wasn't just spilling out into the streets, but it was going into the bars. and it was going into all kinds of different places. Man, it'd be great to see all the movie theaters converted into churches. Because so many people are coming from everywhere to love Jesus, to chase after Jesus, to walk with Jesus. Wouldn't that be just wonderful? To just, man, you talk about days of heaven on earth, right? <laughs> It'd start to feel a lot like heaven. And that's what he, Jesus said we should be praying, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now that is true concerning your personal life. He wants you to live a personally heavenly life, a per, uh, your life to be heavenly. That's what he has for you personally. You know, many times I think we just see it. That. Don't limit it to that. I mean, if we're really going to see days of heaven on earth, we're going to see people getting saved, people loving God all around us, people walking in an awareness of God all around us, all over the place, no matter what part of the city or state or country we go to. Yeah, that's how it is in heaven. No matter where you go, it's God. Everybody's thinking God. Everybody's minds are on God. Because there's nothing greater. They're all conscious of him. They're walking in uh, an awareness of him. They're fully conscious of the Lord all the time. And the Bible says perfect peace to those whose minds are stayed upon him. To walk in that place where you're just minding him and the reality of him and knowing that he's with me. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because I'm aware that thou art with me. Your spirit and your word, they comfort me. You're right here with me, no matter where I go, to live in that awareness, in that consciousness. Ah, perfect peace, perfect peace, just like it is in heaven. Can you say amen? But don't you love that? They all were healed. I mean, that means all of them. That means it wasn't just 50%. I mean, everybody that came got it. Boy, that's a powerful, I'm telling you, that is a powerful Annoying. That is an, a, a tremendous manifestation of the presence and glory of God. So strong. See, the stronger or the greater measure of glory there is, the less faith is required for whatever it is you have need of. So in this case, if it has to do with healing, 
the greater the glory. In other words, the greater his presence is manifested, the less faith it takes to receive healing, to walk in health. So the less his presence is manifested, the less you're aware of his presence, the less conscious you are of his presence, then it's going to require more of your faith. So let's say, you know, you need a ratio of 100% to equal healing. But there's only 25% of God's presence in manifestation. Or maybe there's no manifestation. But that's you over there. Just look it in the Word. By whose stripes you were, you bring yourself into an awareness of Him. Bring yourself into an awareness of Him. And it might just be a 5%, 10% awareness. But your 95% faith can rise up and take it. Because you are persuaded. You're persuaded in your heart of what the Word of God says. Well, see, not everybody's, not everybody's there. I said not everybody's there. Not everybody has faith in the Word like that. And so, but if the presence of God, if, the, if, his, if, his, if his presence manifests to a greater degree where maybe it's like 80%, I mean, the atmosphere is so thick. I mean, you can't help but be aware of him. I mean, you feel God all over you. I mean, his love is so real to you. His goodness is so real to you. His will for your life is so real to you that you just need 20% faith to equal 100%. And you're healed. Hallelujah. Let's get over to that level. See, and that's where everybody's faith and everybody coming and bringing their supply of faith into the house of God will cause his presence to be greater and stronger here than it is at your house where you're alone. You understand what I'm saying? And so we can have things happen here corporately together if we all join our faith together. And we all become aware of his presence together. We can cause a manifestation of his glory to be so great that there'll be all kinds of amazing miracles, signs, wonders, healings taking place that people that are just hearing the gospel for their first time, all you got to do is just look at them and say, Jesus wants you healed. And they go, Woo, glory to God. And they completely healed. Wouldn't that be nice? Hallelujah. Now, when it's not like that, we'll work the word. We'll stick with a person. We'll keep teaching them the word, minister the word, and help. Come on, let's praise God together. We'll build their faith up to get it. But we can make things a whole lot easier for a lot of people that need it easy. They need it a lot easier. Just coming into the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? But that's how it works. That's how it works. See, there's a, there's, there's a, there's a way these things work. There are spiritual laws, we could say, that govern these things. It isn't just whatever God wants to do, whatever he wants to do it. And God, when he moves, he wants to move. Oh, God, if you want to move, you move. It isn't like that. It's kind of scientific. There's a, there's, a, there's a way these things work. There's things that we need to do to plug into that power, to increase the ampage, to increase the voltage, to increase the power. There's things that we do to make that happen. They don't, it doesn't just happen. Whatever happens, happens. No, it doesn't just happen just because it happens. It happens because people purpose to make it happen. People get a hold of things, and they purpose to make it happen. And they share it with some people, and those people get a hold of it, and they purpose to make it happen. And these people, and, and, and that's how it happens. So let's not just sit back and say, well, I just believe a great move of God's coming. I'm sure waiting for it. No, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Rise up. Expect it. Hallelujah. Expect it. Expect it. Praise God. Like, a, like I heard someone say one time, they said expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles. Ooh, I just like that. And it's so true. Expectancy is the, greedy, is the breeding ground for miracles. If we're going to see the miraculous, there's going to have to be expectancy. We're going to have to raise our expectancy. How are we going to get expectant like that? We've got to look at the Bible like this thing's real. And like this is never supposed to change. And we can have this now, like today. Like now. See, that's the thing about faith. Faith is in the now mode. Faith isn't the someday mode. In the sweet by and by mode. Faith is in the now mode. Faith believes now. See? So if we believe it now, who knows what can happen before we walk out of here today? I'm just saying. Let's just believe it now. Boy, it sure got quiet in here. That's, I guess somebody choked on that. I don't know. Now. 
I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Well, don't. Wrap your heart around it. Uh, or let it wrap itself around you, bless God. Stop trying to wrap yourself around God. Uh, he's too big. He's too wide. He's too vast, bless God. Let God wrap himself around you. Uh, and saturate you with himself who is good and powerful. Thank you, Lord, for that adjustment. I, and that preach, too, felt really good, too. Ooh, hallelujah. Can you say amen? So he says, or it says, multitudes gathered from the surrounding cities of Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. I think we got to stop and look at that. I got news for you, friend. There's a lot of people being tormented by unclean spirits today. I got news for you. Unclean spirits didn't go out with the last apostle. Unclean spirits didn't go out when Jesus went to heaven. There's still unclean demons in this world. Lots of unclean demons. And a lot of struggles that people are facing, the torment people are facing, the temptations, the frustrations, the oppression, the fear, the anxiety, the worries. It's not just the result of their thinking. It's demonic. There are evil spirits tormenting them. And they, don't, they aren't aware of it. You need to be aware of it. We need to, as the church, we need to recognize when there's demons present messing with somebody. And this isn't just some kind of natural thing that needs some human counseling. Yeah. Or it just needs to go to a doctor for a human re remedy. Thank God for doctors. But there's some things that go beyond that. And, and the doctor can maybe fix them up a little bit. But if you don't deal with the demon, the demon just keeps coming back. We got to know how to deal with the demons. Yeah. Mark 16, Jesus said to the church, in my name, in the name of Jesus, you'll cast out demons. First of all, we need to know how to keep demons out of our own life before we can cast them out of other people, right? Don't you think? And we shouldn't be tormented by demons. I got news for you. We should not be tormented and troubled by demons. Now, they'll try. Don't get me wrong. They'll mess with the best of us. But that's okay. We can put them right back in their place. Under our feet. Praise God. Just by reminder, them, you are under my feet. And I am the head, not tail. I am above, not beneath. And rebuke it and command it to leave in Jesus' name. You demon trying to trouble me, trying to trouble my household. And demons will work through other people to try to trouble you, to try to torment you. You got to know how to command those demons. You be silent. I command the demon operating in that person. Cease and desist in your maneuvers and operations against me or against us or against this or that. You got to take authority over the devil. Are you with me? Thank God we got authority over demons in the name of Jesus. And we can cast them out. We can cast them out. Don't just sit there and try to figure it out. And try to work it all out in your head. Cast it out. Cast it out. Praise God. That's the quickest way to relief. I said that's the quickest way to relief. Can you say Amen. So we got to command the evil spirits to go. Verse 17. Then the high priest rose up and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees. And they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Isn't it amazing? God's doing such beautiful things. And these Sadducees, you see, these are these religious people. These are the religious people. They didn't like it at all. In fact, they were indignant. I mean, they're really mad. They're really mad people are getting healed. They're really mad people are getting set free. Isn't that crazy? It's the most amazing thing. You know, you see that in Jesus' day, right? I mean, some of the most respected religious leaders that walked with their flowing robes and everybody just wanted to kiss their ring. You know, just, just amazing. It's amazing that when Jesus shows up and he's healing people and he's delivering people and he's doing the will of the Father, that these same people start, I mean, they become, they become furious and they want to kill him. They become murderers. I mean, they were sweeties until Jesus showed up. Isn't that interesting? When Jesus showed up, they went from sweeties to murderers. 
which tells us they were murderers all along. Jesus wasn't their problem. Jesus just showed up their problem. There's a great lesson in that. If, well, this is what the Lord spoke to me years ago. He said, if you have a problem, it's because you have a problem. That's, that's, that. Lord, if you'll fix them. No, 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 no. You have a problem with them? Yep, it's because you have a problem. Them is not the problem. They are showing up your problem. That's why I did a, a beautiful uh, teaching on marriage. Not too long. Well, it's been quite, actually quite a while now. It's been a few years ago. But it's probably still in bookstores near you. Like in the foyer. The teaching, you know. And, 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 and it's called The Perfect Spouse. And the revelation in there is that the best spouse is the one who brings the worst out of you. <laughs> the best spouse is the one that brings the worst out of you. Because <laughs> they're bringing it out of you. So you can see it. And judge it. So that we get to the point that nothing bad that comes out of us. Somebody slaps you, you just turn the other cheek. You just respond in love. Just respond with the wisdom and grace of God, not in fear and torment and trouble. Sometimes you have to take action. Don't get me wrong. I didn't just sit there and be a punching bag. Just hanging on a chain, you know. So just... <laughs> Your spouse is like Rocky, you know. I can take it. I can take it. No, no, no. But you can respond in the wisdom and grace of God. And sometimes that's very harsh. That can be very stern, you know. It just depends. But it's not you all emotional. They're just ruining my life. Listen. You ain't got much of one right now, okay? <laughs> They're just showing it up. Are you with me? Praise God. So it helps get the bad stuff out of you, gets the bad stuff out of you, so that you can judge it and get cleansed of it. And so you don't have any more bad stuff in you anymore. Isn't that good? So, so for so long, I thought she was my problem. I thought Jean was my problem. I thought I was more spiritual than her. I thought, you know, and I thought she was my problem. So I went to God and I complained about it, you know. If you just fix this, you know. But it's the most amazing thing. As I kept judging myself, because he'd never talked to me about her. It was really upsetting. <laughs> I'd go to God and talk to him about her. He'd never talk to me about her. I was like, nee, 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 right? And he would talk to me about me. <laughs> it happened time and time again. It's the craziest thing. You know that's God. You know that's God talking to you because that's not what you want to talk about. I mean, there's no confusion. Just God or the devil. No, you know. You, it's God. But it was amazing when I started getting this revelation that if God is for me, who could be against me? And I don't have to be in fear about other people and worried and all this. When I got all the fear out and all the selfishness and pride, not to say we're not, we don't have to keep resisting these things. We'll have to resist it as long as we're in the flesh. You understand, you know. But, but when, I, when I, I got to a place of faith, Concerning these things, which caused me to step into a place of peace. Oh, my goodness. It was amazing how awesome she was. I didn't know she was that good until all that bad got exposed. That was in me. Isn't that the craziest thing? That's what Jesus meant when he said, get the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly how to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. See? See, we're always trying to get that, that speck out of our brother and sister's eye. We're always trying to clean their eye up. Ooh, look, look. Ooh, you've got fungi in your eye. You've got fungi. Ooh, look, look, look. Look, look, look. And meanwhile, angels are looking at you, and you got, you're like, ooh. So. You look like something that just came out of the swamp. You know? Look what's in your eye. Thank God you let God turn it around on you. See, a lot of folks don't let them turn around. They're too busy. 
we're too busy doing that, see? And they don't realize there's, uh, there's several other fingers pointing right back at them. <laughs> but you see, if, if you don't let God turn, see, I let God turn that around on me. See, I'd go, hmm, 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 hmm. And he'd go, hmm. <laughs> Put a big mirror up in front of me, huh? Oh! <laughs> it's a mirror. I'm holding up a mirror for those that are not, not aware of me. God, I thank you. I'm not like other men. Please, Lord, deal with these people. What do you have to say about this, Lord? Are you going to do something about this? Oh! He puts that here up in front. Oh, oh, oh. Hallelujah. And so you see that thing. Where do you run? You run to the wash, wash basin. You get over there to the Word of God, man. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You get it all cleaned up. Amen. Praise God. That's how it works. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. And we lived happily ever after. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's a great, it's great. Just be great and things will be great. Just be, just be, just. <laughs> right? If you're great in God, then you're great. It's great. Everything's great. Now you can just help people. Oh, you've got a speck. You can pull a speck out of the rye. It's, not, it's like, oh, that speck is driving me crazy. Well, that's, that's an indication that connected to that speck is this electrical line <laughs> that's plugged into you and you're wired up with that thing. Did you follow that? That was a deep illustration, but go back. Go back, listen to it again. It's all being recorded for your, it'll be a blessing to you. Can you say Amon? Amon. But what these guys, these religious guys got so indignant, they were so mad. I got news for you. The more you walk with Jesus, the more you love Jesus, the more you do for Jesus, you're not just going to win friends and influence people in a happy way. People will get mad at you. People will get offended at you. That's a part of it. There'll be those who believe and are saved, those who will not believe and will be damned, condemned for all eternity. That's just, that's just a part of it. And you can't, you can't feel personally hurt by it. Like, I don't understand. I went and I shared Jesus with them and they didn't like it. Well, read your Bible. There's a lot of people that don't react the right way when you minister Jesus to them. It's as simple as that. The power of God showed up and they... These guys were mad about it. I mean, to me, that's just like the craziest thing, right? You see people getting healed, people getting delivered. You see all these happy people, all these great things happening, and people are getting mad. That's kind of crazy, don't you think? I mean, it is to me, but obviously to them, it's not. These indignant guys. It wasn't crazy to them. And so, verse 19, it goes on. But at night... Oh, yeah, so, so they were indignant, verse 18, and they laid their hands on the apostles and they put them in the common prison. Common prison. Verse 19, but at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Notice, an angel came in there and delivered these guys from prison. And you'll see as you go through the book of Acts, angels became more and more uh, activated in the lives of the early church believers. Angels were working among them. Angels manifest. In fact, it got to the point, we'll see this later on, that uh, after Peter was arrested... Not, not in this situation, but he was, he was arrested later on. James had been beheaded, and now they threw Peter, Herod threw Peter in prison and, uh, you know, was expecting to do the same thing to him. And when that happened, an angel, uh, excuse me, uh, God opened the prison door. There was no angel indicating that, you know, an angel did it. But an, no, an angel did do it, right? Yeah, an angel did come, did deliver him, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, this lady Rhoda. Peter's knocking at the door. He got out of prison supernaturally. He's like, Rhoda, open the door. It's me. It's Peter. Open the door. And everybody's inside praying for Peter to be delivered. They're all praying that he'd be delivered. 
Rhoda's like, it's you, Peter? She's like, yeah, open the door, open the door. So Rhoda goes running in. She tells the, all the, everybody's praying, you know, they're all praying for Peter. Lord, deliver him. Rhoda goes, he's delivered, he's delivered, he's at the door. They said, oh, you're out of your mind. They didn't believe him. No, no, he's at the door, he's at the door. Oh, stop it, stop it. No, I'm telling you, I heard his voice. And you know what they said the next day they said? It must be his angel. Now, what kind of response is that? It must. In other words, they believed an angel, his angel would have manifested more than they believed Peter himself got out of prison and is at the door. They believed in an angel being at the door more than they believed in Peter being at the door. Why would they believe an angel was at the door more than Peter at the door unless angels were becoming more and more manifest in their lives? And angels want to be more and more operative in our life. They want to work in our life today. They want to help us today. Are you with me? I did a whole series on this called Angels. I think that's the name of it. And it's in a bookstore near you. Hallelujah. Get it on the way out. Be a good time to, re, to remind yourself and hear that teaching on angels and how they are working among us today and how if we have faith in them, we'll see more of them uh, or we'll see more of them do things in our life. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. Some may say we're a book of Acts church. Full of signs, wonders, miracles, power of God. Heaven's hand is on our life. Revival's in our life. It's spilling out into the streets. A great awakening's coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Stand up on your feet. Let's thank the Lord. Hallelujah. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.